Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hi, writers. Welcome to episode number 39 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and as I record, it is March 15th, 2017. And I'm so glad you're listening to this episode. Today, we are talking to my dear friend, Gigi Pandian, who we talk about it in the interview, but we both started out right around the same time. Um, she is now USA Today bestselling. She has won award. She's up for a big one coming up soon here. Um, I just couldn't be prouder of her and I just feel very lucky, you've heard me say this before, to have this incredible circle of friends around me who, um, doesn't matter what list they're on or what awards they're getting, um, I choose friends who are amazing, or rather, sometimes they're chosen for me. Uh, Gigi was part of a group that another friend pulled together, and that writer friend has serious chops when it comes to connecting people. Um, you know those people. You probably have one in your life who always gets things right. She sets people up together. She puts groups together. Those kind of people are outrageously lucky to have in your life, those connectors. Um, I would like to be one. I don't think I am one but I can admire it from a distance. So today, a little update on what's going on in my world. I'm feeling a little frustrated, honestly. It's been a rough writing week. Um, I have reached, I think today I'm on 54,000 words, about 54,000 words. I predict the book will be about 90,000 words. Um, so I'm getting up to that uh, black moment it's coming the dark moment, and um, and it just I, I'm trudging through mud at this point. I always get to this point. This is part of my process. It is not enjoyable. I'm not having fun. I don't know what I'm doing. My dogs won't stop barking today. It's just one of those days. And um, oh yeah, I was going to film this afternoon a new class. I was going to start filming uh, How to Plot Your Novel, which is a class I taught at Stanford and that I am so excited about bringing online. I think it's perfectly suited to the online world. Damn, Clara. Jeez, that would be Clara barking. I apologize. Um, but going back to exactly what I was saying, as I was going to record this today, I have the whole class worked out. I just have to sit in front of the camera and, you know, actually do my hair and makeup and be professional. But if you can also hear outside, um, there are roofers across the street. I didn't plan on having roofers. I decided that perhaps, while well, I'll make you guys listen to barking dogs and air horn noise machine makers that they're using across the street and all their hammering. I guess I won't put that into a an online class that I'm planning on selling. Um, so that's a little frustrating. I was, I was really looking forward to doing that this afternoon. I love teaching, even if I'm just facing my computer, like I'm doing right now, looking at a screen and imagining you on the other side. I love doing that. And I can't today, and I will not have time to do it for the rest of the week. So, grr, 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 grr. Um, in good news, in very mild good news, and I'm only sharing it with you, but I got this very, very pale green light. Okay, I shared it on Twitter, too. Um, but I got a pale green light from my Australian editor at Random House um, trying to pitch her some more romance ideas. Uh, because I have... I've mentioned this before, the best of all worlds. Um, Random House Australia, 
pays me to write books. They professionally edit them. My editor is fantastic. Copy editing, all of that gets done. And I keep the rights and self-publish these romances everywhere else in the world. Um, I'd like to stay in the world that I've already built, um, Darling Bay. I'm really enjoying still being in that world of Darling Bay, but I'm getting a little bit restless, itchy feet. I want to try something new, and um, I have been having such a good time coaching one of my clients. Actually, all of my clients. I love all of my clients. Um, but Saran just finished her book recently, and it's a really juicy, meaty paranormal and she has so much fun writing the magic of it that it's actually really intrigued me and I want to I've always loved reading paranormal romance um especially when it's kind of you know the witches on a cliff think um think of the old Nora Roberts paranormals um the sister trilogies uh, meets practical magic I mean how is that not a great fun idea but I want to put it in the same prosaic contemporary non-magic world of Darling Bay, or at least proximate to it, so I can link the series. Um, series, if you're wondering, is actually plural as well as singular, but when you say multiple series, it just sounds like you should say serieses. So that's what I say. I do know it's wrong. Um, so yeah, she, my editor, would like to hear that pitch. She wants me to draft that up so she can show it to the people that she works with. This is by no means a guarantee that she'll buy it. I may not go ahead with this, but I think another um, itch that I'm feeling is I, as I'm writing this thriller, I'm loving that until I got to this recent point, but I'm also feeling... Um, like I need to go faster at the self-publishing, you know, the romance stuff, the stuff that honestly makes me more money. So writing a synopsis and pulling that back into my sphere of things I'm going to be doing soon. I will be writing romance again soon. Uh, so thinking about what those books are going to be is actually a very fun, very playful time for me. I really like to lie in bed and just start imagining scenes and... Um, I figured something out about the house last night that I want to put in. And who knows if these books will ever come to fruition, but it is a joyful thing to think about. So that is awesome. Another awesome thing is um, your Patreon support. Thank you guys who support me on Patreon. I can't thank you enough. Um, your support is the difference between me having the time to do things like writing essays on creativity and what that means to us as human beings who still have to bring home money at the end of the day. Your support is also a vote of confidence. You are a patron of the arts, and this artist sitting right here in this chair thanks you. I want to thank new patrons Christopher Hawkins, thank you. Trisha Linden, thank you, my dear. Greta Bikas, who has been on the show, thank you, thank you. And Jamie Sorrell, thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Donna Kirshner, hello, Donna. Thanks, Joe Peterson. I can't remember if I thanked you on the last one, but hey, Joe. And special thanks to Sharon Weiss for upping her pledge. Um, that always makes me feel like I did something right in the most recent essay that I sent out. If somebody goes, well, I was giving her a dollar an essay. Let me give her $3 an essay. That's an extra two bucks that makes me feel incredible. Um, just an aside, this is for everyone listening, even if you have no intention of ever becoming my patron. That is, of course, 100%, 150% fine. I can fudge the percentages because I'm a writer. But what I want you to know is, I've just found this out, when you are a patron of somebody on Patreon, 
and you decide you can't afford that anymore and you take away the funding, you turn it off or your card is, you know, you change debit cards or whatever. Um, the artist is not notified of that. I like knowing that for people that I support, if I ever need to withdraw my support to put my money elsewhere. Um, I like you to know that you can support me for a little while. And if you turn that off, I won't know. I'm not one of those people keeps an eagle eye on every single number. Um, on the boards that I follow, I generally look at Patre Patreon about once a month to see if I am up or down, but um, I don't watch it every day. You won't hurt my feelings. And I thought maybe that was a good thing for everyone to know about Patreon, which is a platform that I really, really believe in, in terms of supporting artists. So anyway, that's long enough about Patreon. Let's get into the interview with Gigi. I hope that you have a phenomenal writing week. I hope that you find all the writing juju that I cannot lay my hands on this week. Um, let's power through this together, get some words done, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, today I would love to welcome my friend Gigi Pandian. Hi, Gigi. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, let me give you a short introduction for those who might not know you. Uh, U.S. Day Today best-selling author Gigi Pandian spent her childhood being dragged around the world by her cultural anthropologist parents, which was, I don't know if I've ever told you this, my literal dream, um, and now lives outside San Francisco with her husband and a gargoyle who watches over the garden. A cancer diagnosis in her 30s taught her that life's too short to waste a single moment. Gigi writes the Jaya Jones Treasure Hunt Mysteries, the Accidental Alchemist Mysteries, and Locked Room Mystery Short Stories. Her fiction has been awarded the Malice Domestic Grant and Lefty Awards and shortlisted for McCavity and Agatha Awards. That's huge because you and I both knew each other before we'd published a thing. Yeah, you know, it's true. It's it's amazing. These last few years, when we first knew each other, the things that we never thought were possible. It's been amazing to watch each other's dreams come true. Yeah, yes, yes. And um, we have this, you know, listeners, we have this little group of, of Bay Area authors, and we've been tight for a long, obviously a long time now. And most of us were unpublished when we got together. And that's what I always recommend people to do is form these groups of people that they love and then grow up together. And um, and just watching Gigi do this, we went, uh, she and I went on a writer's retreat to Edinburgh, Scotland a couple years ago. And that was amazing too. So I would love to know, because I know you balance a lot of things and a lot of writing, and I want to talk to you about your process today. What is the best time of day for you to write and where do you write? So I can only write first thing in the morning. Yeah. And even when it's, um, so I'm going to tell a short story about uh, when I thought that I might become a full-time writer, that I um, took a sabbatical and with all the time in the world, I thought I'm going to get so much writing done, but without, um, with all the time in the world, you never get anything done in my experience. And so I would sleep in in the morning, even if I set an alarm, I would 
think to myself, oh, I can sleep a little more, and oh, I have some errands to do, or oh, I have some laundry to do, and then the day would be gone. But if I know that I'm going to write first thing in the morning, no matter what else is going on in my day, then I will get it done. And the only way that I actually make myself do it is to get out of the house. I have a wonderful little study. You can see the, the books on the bookshelf behind me for those of you who are watching this on video. Um, but I, I can't get any work done in the house. And so I get out, I make writing dates with writer friends to go meet at a cafe first thing in the morning and we get writing done. We can chat for a few minutes, but then it is getting down to work. And then I know, um, regardless of how much time I have, I will get my words done for the day by doing it first thing. And uh, you mean first thing, because I know that you meet another friend of ours at 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Are you still doing that one? I am, yes. Jeez, Three mornings a week, 7 a.m. And it's not yeah, even, the, the, one on, the one on Sunday's not even close to your house. That's a good half an hour away from your house, probably. Well, it's actually, it's only, the, the funny thing is, it's uh, without traffic, living in the Bay Area, yeah. traffic is always the thing. So the reason that early morning works really well is because uh, first thing in the morning, it's a 15-minute drive. Oh and God. so I know I have to get up and get started early. If I don't get started early, it is a half an hour drive. But if I do it early, first thing in the morning for a few hours, no traffic so that's another thing that pushes me out the door to get it done oh that is awesome that's awesome yeah. and here's a part of your process that I actually know about and I'd love you to tell us about you do a good marriage between um, longhand and computer can you tell us how you work on your drafts yeah, so I start out when I'm just playing around with ideas for a novel I the computer terrifies me because anything that it's just not very conducive to be playing with ideas and the way they might fit together. It's very, the computer to me is very different um, in terms of putting together when you're actually writing prose versus when you're bouncing around what actually should, how your characters develop and how the plot develops. And since I write mystery novel, plot is so essential. And mm -hmm. I write traditional mysteries where they're like puzzle plots and there's all these clues and different things. So I always carry a paper notebook with me. So when whenever someone asks me how long it takes to write a book, I never know actually how long to answer because when I answer how long I'm on the computer, it sounds like a ridiculously short period of time. But it's actually years in the making to make a book because I'll always be thinking about future books and jotting down ideas in a notebook. And I have at least four paper notebooks for each novel. Um, and that's over long periods of time and just playing with ideas before moving to the computer. And I've seen these. They are, they're, they're small script. They're written on both sides and you fill those books. And they're actually, I think, a thing of beauty in and of themselves. And and you are the reason that I do a lot of my pre-work just by hand in my, oh, really? in my journal. Yeah, because I, I think I, I really saw how you were using it when we were in Scotland together, and I started mm. using it for myself. And it does, a lot of people say this, but it does really free that part of your brain that is not mm -hmm. free when you're sitting in front of a computer typing. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know why, but it does. So that is so cool. How do you refill the creative well when you're running dry? Um, I have two things to recharge. The first one is reading. Um, and right now it's absolutely wonderful. I am, uh, I handed in two weeks ago, I handed in a draft of my latest manuscript to Yay. my editor. Yay. And so right now I am having so much fun getting through my TBR pile, all of those to be read books that I never have a chance to get to. I do read while I'm writing. I, um, I do read every night before going to bed, mm -hmm. but it's not enough. 
And yeah. so it, it's definitely not enough. I always wish I had more time to read. And right now, um, earlier this morning, I was sitting around having coffee and just reading a book that I've been wanting to read for a while. And it was just so lovely. That's the so, best. <laughs> yes. And so that is one of my main rechargers. But I also, um, having writer friends who I can get together with when we're not writing, but just to talk about things that other people like my husband and other people in my life will think I'm crazy if I talk about these things, but being able to just chat about things uh, with no judgment with other people <laughs> who know what it's like, that to me gives me lots of creative energy. I completely agree. And I think that the way that we're so different from other people, that writers are so different, is that no matter what we're doing, do you agree with this, that writing is always in the back of our mind somehow? And like with you and your husband, he knows how much you think about writing and my wife knows how much I think about writing, but they have no idea that when we get together in a group, we might go sideways onto a topic for 10 or 15 seconds, but then it veers right back to writing in some way, shape or form because it's our language, it's the language of our brains. And that's the reason why I also always have that notebook with me. Mm. Even if I don't think that I am going to be doing something, I have, um, even if I'm not working on a particular book at a, um, at a given point in time, I will still always have this little graph paper um, notebook that fits in any bag that I'm taking with me, and I'll just always slip that in. And sometimes when I go back to that, much later in time, it's not even a particular idea for a, a certain story, but then I'll see that again because I, I'll have some idea because of something in life that I wasn't really thinking about writing a book, but it's exactly what you said, that it is there in my mind yeah. and I'll hear something and then write it down and then later I'll find the perfect place for it. That's so cool. That's, that's the synchronicity of writing and I yes, love that. Definitely. What is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? Um, it is something that lots of writers do. And so um, I have found that um, people, when they want to help you, they tell you what has worked for them. Mm. But something that lots of writers do is write every day. And so when I was starting out writing, I would hear that from lots of other established writers that that's really how you become a professional writer is to be writing every day. But for me, that's not the way that my brain works. As I was mentioning a couple minutes ago, that after handing in my latest manuscript two weeks ago, I have not written anything. I still have my little notebook, so I might write jot down an idea or two, yeah. but it's not really writing. And I'm not getting a certain amount of words done per day. And I don't feel that that... Um, is taking away anything from my writing. It's doing the exact opposite. But it's one of those things that so many people, it works for them, that they're really passionate about that that writing tip. And so, um, so they yeah. So you I, must, yeah. In, yeah. And instead th of, you that's might, how you say, yeah. Yeah. Adrian uh, Bell, our friend, pointed out on this show that that actually, that advice made her feel terrible. And it made her feel uh -huh. like she would never be a good enough writer because she's got a complex life and uh -huh. a special needs child. And, and I hadn't really thought until I talked to her about how detrimental that one phrase that we hear all the time could be to so many people. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. That's perfect. Um, what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? Um, that nobody's writing journey is the same Whew. that even if you want to achieve certain things or if you see a writer who writes sort of like you that you can't compare yourself to anybody else even if you think you want to be on a certain trajectory 
I now that I've been writing for several years, I know so many different authors and I've heard so many different stories about how people became um, a professional writer and nobody's story is the same. Even if you generalize it, there's just no path that's the same. And so um, realizing it, it's so freeing to realize that your path is your own. Oh, and so you that. can make it whatever you want it to be. And you don't have to worry about things that um, that are happening to you that aren't the same as other people. But you can really embrace your own journey as your own. And so not comparing yourself to others in terms of your level of success or your style of writing or any sort of comparison to others. I think that's just gorgeous and pretty mind blowing. And I don't think I've ever thought of it in those terms that our writing paths are literally as unique as we are as people. Mm -hmm. So just stop worrying. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruminate on that. Thank you, Gigi. <laughs> Can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort? Um, we touched on this a little bit, but it is my favorite craft tip. So I'm going to reiterate it. Good. That um, when you're stuck, move the medium in which you're writing. Mm. So if you're on the computer and you're really feeling stuck, pick up a paper notebook. But also the opposite is true that if you're writing in a notebook and finding that you're not really bouncing around ideas well, maybe move to a computer and just write out a scene of dialogue or something. Just not thinking that you'll necessarily use it, but just switching up how your mind is thinking about things. Because there really is something different when you're writing in a different physical way. I don't know what it is about the brain, but there really is something different going on when you switch up how you're letting yourself write. I, I even find that physically. Like if I'm, if I'm having trouble writing when I'm sitting down, I'll stand up, you know, or I'll, huh. you know, like I'll go to my standing yeah. desk and it, and yeah. it, and it's like, re-greasing the wheel somehow. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know how, but yeah, physical as well as um, the medium. That's great. Well, I haven't tried that one, so oh, I'll need to do that to should... go stand up for something. I love yeah. my standing desk. I got it for Christmas and I've never had one in my office before and I love it. I can't really write first draft sitting at this beautiful desk, but I can't, I, I'm like you, I have to leave the house unless I stand at the standing desk. Then it sometimes, I somehow I, I can write. Yeah. If you were starting over as a new writer right now, what advice would you give baby Gigi writer? Uh, try NaNoWriMo, Yay! National Novel Writing Month. Um, because uh, National Novel Writing Month, which um, as you know, because this is how you finished a book as well. Um, but first. so for other writers, it is the challenge to um, write a 50,000 word novel in 30 days in the month of November. And until I discovered NaNoWriMo, I had never finished anything because I had all these ideas and loved writing and it was a fun hobby, but I never, um, I thought this is fun, but I'm not very good at this. So I need to go back and edit what I'm writing. And so I never finished any story that I started until I did the NaNoWriMo challenge. And then I finished a 50,000 word draft. And that book, because of the energy that you're publicly declaring mm -hmm. that you're going to do this, and I finished it, I was so proud of what I had written then that I sent it off to um, the Malice Domestic Grant Program. That is a, um, 
a grant that fosters the next generation of traditional mystery writers, and I won their grant that year. And the only reason that that happened and that set me on my way um, in terms of my writing career was because NaNoWriMo gave me the confidence to finish a whole book, telling me that I could finish a book. And I, I wouldn't say they were wasted years before that, but if I had, as early as you discover it, it is a great way to actually finish something. I love hearing about these 16 and 17 year old kids who are not doing the teen, ver- the, the, the young adult version, they're doing the full NaNoWriMo. And I, I know some kids who have seven, you know, they're, they're now 20 or 25 and they have seven or eight novels already finished. And they're just, you know, and it, it doesn't matter if they're trying to publish them or not. Uh, most of them are not. They're just moving right, forward right. and they're getting that experience. Like what if we had had that at that age? I'm jealous of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, so, we, we came to it when we needed to come to it. And yeah, but it's something great to try, even if you're skeptical. Yes. That that will be, and it doesn't even matter if it becomes something that is publishable later, you can throw it away, but just learning how both writing more just will make you better, Mm -hmm. but also um, the fact having a deadline, if you're going to be writing professionally, learning how to have a deadline is a wonderful thing. And for your deadline, go on. Your, your deadline won't always be the crazy NaNoWriMo deadline, but just the fact of being able to stick to a deadline is a great thing to learn. Yeah, sometimes the deadline will be worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ah, we won't talk about that, though. Don't well, admit that. <laughs> it's always awesome, though. And for some of us, we have to have a deadline. Like, I think that's why I never finished a book. Even though I had a master's in writing, like, I never finished a book until NaNo because I needed that the power of the deadline. And my yeah, own arbitrarily... Way given deadlines, I cheat, you know, I'll tell myself I'm going to be done on March 1st. And no, if I, you know, that's my own deadline. Of course, it's going to be March 15th or April 1st or whatever it right. is. Yeah. What would you like to plug right now? Tell us about where we can find you and your latest book. Um, so the book that I am very excited about right now, um, Michelangelo's Ghost is the most recent Jaya Jones treasure hunt mystery. And it is up for best mystery novel of the year um, at Left Coast Crime. And um, which is is very exciting to me because as I wrote this book, I felt like it was the best thing that I had written to date. And so getting that award nomination was just, it was yeah, it kind of blew my mind. Um, I wasn't expecting it at all, but it was so exciting because this book is, um, yeah, it's, I think of it as my Scooby-Doo book because I write, uh, I write, uh, lighthearted adventure mysteries and Scooby-Doo was my favorite show when I was a little kid and I've been hooked on mysteries ever since then. And so this book, I really got to have this, um, centuries-old ghost story, and Jaya travels from San Francisco to Italy and gets to unmask uh, a real-life killer who's hiding behind this centuries-old ghost story. And it was just such a fun book to write and the way it came together. So, um, yeah, I'm really proud of the book, and that is really exciting to me. And that's available on all channels and through your local bookstore. And um, tell us about, where's your website? Where can we find you? Um, At ggpandian.com. Yeah, you're easily found because your name is unique that way. Yes, are you the nobody only... else has my name. That's amazing. There are a lot of Rachel Herons even with the same weird spelling that I have. Really? Yeah, and there's one who's a writer. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. She, she's young. I'm going to have her on the show. I'm going to try to see if I can talk her into get, being on the show <laughs> so that we can make friends in public, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, my dog is freaking out and I'm going to let you get back to your day. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Yes. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you and happy writing to you. And we'll talk soon. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>